and welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source for all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Andrea Pride, and with me today I have Gary Berkovich, who is the CAT team leader in GAX. The topic for today's podcast is Special Purpose Acquisition Companies, or SPACs. And there's been lots in the news at the moment about a bit of a boom in SPACs. We've seen reports that in the last 12 months, the amount of money raised using a SPAC has rose to over 120 billion, according to Bloomberg. And so this has been as much in the first half as of the whole of first half of 2020. But before we get into that, let's go back to the beginning. Gary, welcome. And can you tell us what exactly a SPAC is? Hi, Andrea. Hi, everyone. Yeah. So as you said, a SPAC is a special purpose acquisition company. So there we go. Enough said. <laughs> so that's, I'm sure there's more to it than that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, just the, that's just the name it's been given. And, and people bandy this word around SPACs. But I mean, what it really is at its core is a type of vehicle through which companies and investors are, are raising, raising funding and doing a couple of things. And I think the first is it's a way in which a private company can actually become a public company. And the second objective is it's a way in which folks can realize value from becoming public companies and obtaining capitalization funding so that the private company actually obtains capitalization funding. And what makes SPACs a little bit different from from other types of arrangements is you generally get this shell set up and, you know, a bunch of investors then say, cool, we're going to do an IPO on this shell. And so they will actually initial public initial public offering or capitalize the shell with with their own money and external money, and then the SPAC is effectively uh, in most cases a a shell that has a whack load of cash sitting in it, and then over a, an agreed period of time, this special purpose acquisition company or SPAC will go out and look for a a target private company that's looking to go public potentially, and they normally have a a set period in which they're going to try to do this, and then they'll either you know be successful and find a private company that wants to go public and they'll agree on the terms and they will they will merge and thereafter you know the SPAC acquires the private company and then the, the combined entity is a is a public company or alternatively they might not find a target or they might find a target but the the shareholders of the SPAC are, are not that keen to do the merger because the price isn't right in which case they will you know dissolve the SPAC and give everyone their money back. Okay. Yeah, and so, so it's and so you yeah. in a way, isn't it? It's a bit like I've got this check sitting here with an expiring, exploding offer date, and if you don't spend it, then it's gone. Yeah, pretty much. And I think again, you get different different versions of this. I think again, it's difficult to say. You know, there's there's one size fits all, fits all, one size fits all for SPACs because you know in some cases it can be at an individual uh, investor level. You can decide whether or not you want to go ahead with the arrangements or not. So. You know that, as you said, that kind of uncashed check can either be an all or nothing, or there can be lots of little checks that, depending on whether or not the the individuals who put the money in are, are comfortable to go ahead with it, they can say yes or no, and then they might, you know, get their money back, and and the SPAC still goes ahead with the remaining money, or they need to obtain additional funding. So as part of the merger, the SPAC uh, gets a second round of funding, or it gets some loan funding. So you get many many shapes and forms of this. But as I said, going back to the beginning, I think the important thing is. These are vehicles through which people are trying to realize value in, in IPOing a private company, and in other words, yeah, uh, taking it public and also getting capitalization for the private company. Okay. So why would you use a SPAC rather than, say, in just a normal IPO or a, a reverse merger or any of the other ways that you can do to, to raise the money? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think some of our, our astute listeners are probably thinking this, this sounds a lot like a, a, a reverse merger or a shell merger that, that, that we've seen before. And it is it, a lot of the, the complexities, at least from an accounting perspective and the economics, are similar to that. So if you think about it, we have seen in the past reverse mergers where you take a, a, a public company that's a penny stock company, so it really has nothing in it. All it is is public. And it is a vehicle through which private companies can effectively list without needing to go through some of the more onerous requirements, uh, filing requirements. They still need to go through filing requirements, but you aren't doing an initial public offering. You're being acquired by a public company. But as we know, in reverse acquisition, when they issue equity, when that public company issues equity to acquire the private company, it ends up issuing so much equity that the, the shareholders of the private company effectively become the, the owners of the, the overall combined entity. And that's why we call it a reverse acquisition. And so if you think about it, a SPAC is, is in many cases very similar, except uh, it's got obviously a couple of extra rings and bells in there and that it's got a, a bucket load of cash sitting in it sometimes, which means that the exchange ratio between the SPAC shareholders and the private company shareholders can get a little bit more substantive than, than it, it normally is with a, a traditional reverse acquisition. So again, it's another way of, of going public without necessarily needing to do an initial public offering. And it's a way in which you know investors who, as you said, there's a lot of money, I think, in the system that, is, that has been pent up as a result of folks being a little bit more risk averse during the pandemic, looking to realize some of that value by, by merging with a, a private company and realizing that value through the IPO. Okay, so there's a little bit less in the way, it's a little bit faster, I guess, from what you're saying about not needing as much of the paperwork of an IPO. And you mentioned that there's a lot of money pent up in the system. Is, is that why they're so popular at the moment? Or is there anything else driving this? Well, yeah, I mean, that's probably probably worthwhile reading that Bloomberg article you referred to. I mean, that, this is just conjecture on my part. But I mean, that's what I suspect is that there's, you know, a lot of pent up capital in the system as folks have been risk averse over the last kind of 12 or 18 months. And I think again, it is a it is an innovative way of of realizing some of that value because I think the the folks who set these facts up are are then on the lookouts for opportunities to to add value both to the folks who invested money into the spec, but also providing value to a private company who might want to go public, and their shareholders might want to realize value in the obviously making their private company public. You know, then they can realize value in their in their share price because it'll be more liquid. So I think there's something in it for both parties. And as I said, I think it's because folks are on the lookout to realize some, some value from, from cash they've potentially been sitting on for a, for a period of time. Okay, cool. So this is IFRS Talks after all. Um, what does the accounting for SPACs look like? What are the issues around um, accounting for SPACs under IFRS? Yeah, thanks, Andrea. And, um, you know, obviously these, these transactions are complicated from a business perspective. And the, the good news is that that creates some interesting complexities from an accounting perspective. And I'd say having a, had a look at these, the, the key question or probably the, the most important question that you, you really need to get right with these facts is identifying who is the acquirer, or which entity is the acquirer. Because if you think about it legally, it may look like the, the SPAC has acquired the OPCO because you know it'll issue shares or potentially pay some cash or a bit of both and legally then the opco will become a subsidiary or the private company will become a subsidiary of the public company but in many cases when there's equity instruments issued if you end up with the acquiree the private company's shareholders effectively owning a far a far 
greater proportion of the shares after the transaction, you may end up actually concluding from an accounting perspective that it was actually the private company that acquired the shell or the spec that was sitting on the cash. Okay, so what would be the implications of that? What would be the implications if, say, the operating company, the, the subsidiary legally, acquires the SPAC? Yeah, and I mean, I'll, I'll try to cover them, them relatively briefly, because as I said, there are, there are a couple of questions and they're all really exciting. But I think if we just start with, if, if you end up saying, look, in some cases, let's say the SPAC does actually acquire the, the legal entity. Let's assume they don't pay any equity, they just use all the cash that's in there to acquire the 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 legal subsidiary then generally then the the spec can be the accounting acquirer they've just paid a lot of cash to acquire it and your normal ifrs3 business combination requirements would be would be applied i think it gets far more exciting when you conclude actually that it is a reverse acquisition or reverse merger and and it's concluded that it's the the opco that's effectively acquired the spec because i think then the first question that we might ask is well is this actually a business combination because again, folks will recall, you know, in order to have a business combination, as, as the name suggests, you need to actually acquire a business. And in yep. many cases, the SPAC, as I've described it, is really just sitting on predominantly a, a bucket load of cash and maybe some other insignificant assets and liabilities. So, so, you know, if you think about it from an accounting perspective, it, isn't, it might not actually meet the definition of a business combination. What's actually happened is the, the target, the, the legal subsidiary or the OPCO, as we're calling it, has just acquired a whole lot of cash, but that wouldn't be accounted for as a business combination, which means you need to think about what other standards might apply. And interestingly enough, in many cases, IFRS 2 actually becomes the applicable guidance, our standard on share-based payments, because what you'll find in a lot of cases is there is a some form of premium or cost that the operating company has paid to the SPAC shareholders for the, the, the benefits of obtaining a, a listing. Right. So I don't suppose that share-based payments is where anyone would have expected these to arrive no. for the accounting <laughs> when, they, when they set them up. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not the natural place to go to when you have a legal business combination to say, actually, there's a share-based payment sitting in here. But funnily enough, IFRS 2 is everywhere. So IFRS 2 isn't at all where I'd have expected us to end up with these. Can you tell us a little bit about what that would look like, what the IFRS 2 charge would be, for example? Yes, yeah, sure, Andrea. Another great question because I guess folks would say, "What is the what is the share based payment to the goods or services I'm receiving?" Mm. And I think that the, the the challenge here is a lot of it is it comes down to the, the 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 different values that are exchanged because in a lot of spec arrangements there'll be a transfer of equities. So the spec shareholder will issue equity to legally acquire the opco, and at the same time the opco shareholders will give their own equity to the spec, but they in turn will obtain shares in the spec. And when you look at the exchanges of those two equities, in many cases, the OPCO effectively appears to be overpaying for what's in the SPAC based on the relative values of the, of the two entities. And IFRS 2, as, as we know, captures situations where you've issued equity um, in excess of the, of the fair value of the equity, and we need to look for the unidentified goods and services. And I think in many cases, I think the IFRIC actually looked at this in the past, the, the economics or the commercial reality is that that excess represents the, the cost of obtaining an, a, a listing. And so you need to kind of do the economics, excuse me, and the, and the calculation of the transfer of the values. But in many cases, you see that there, there is an implicit excess amount of value provided from the OPCO shareholders, and that excess represents the share-based payments. Okay, good. And are there other, any other standards or complexities that people need to be aware about? 
Yeah, absolutely. And so I'll just maybe rattle through a couple of them just to get folks ruminating on, on what might be exciting if you have one of these arrangements. The first is transaction costs. In a lot of cases, these transaction costs can be significant to folks. And there's a question around, well, can I can I actually take the debit on those on those costs that are incurred directly to equity because they might actually issuing new equity? As we know, I32 says if you've got direct and incremental costs related to the issuance of new equity, those costs can be can be capitalized or, or written off directly against equity. And I think again, one of the challenges around SPACs is what is actually going on? Are you issuing new equity instruments or are you just doing these are always your equity instruments, you're just listing them now, in which case yeah. they wouldn't be wouldn't be subject to taking any of those transaction costs through equity. I think another question is is in a lot of SPAC arrangements you see contingently issue issuable uh, shares. So you may see situations where the SPAC might issue uh, incremental shares contingent on certain targets or, or performance measures. Similarly, the, the OPCO or private, uh, private company might have additional issues of shares. And again, determining whether or not IFRS 3, IFRS 2, or potentially even IS32 applies to these contingent share issuers you know, depends on the substance of the arrangements um, and the assessments of, of the accounting acquirer. And lastly, we never, we never, we never well, not lastly, but we, we never, no, no podcast would be complete without talking about taxes. So obviously, in many cases, there can be tax implications. And again, that's impacted by whether or not you have a business combination or not. As we know, the initial recognition exemption doesn't apply when you have a business combination. But if you don't have a business combination, you might still have to look at whether or not there's a change in the, the carrying values or the, the tax basis of the related assets and liabilities. And then the last thing that I did want to mention is just some presentation challenges. So again, I think two of the things to watch out for is, is how you present your equity. Because again, legally, you've got the SPAC being the legal acquirer. But if you end up saying this is effectively a reverse acquisition or reverse merger, you need to bear in mind how you're going to present the equity because it's effectively the OPCO is the, is the company that we're saying is the accounting acquirer. And another issue then, as we know, anytime you have a reverse merger, reverse acquisition, you need to think about how you might adjust or calculate your EPS. So, right, yeah. so lots of lots of standards to think about and lots of places to, to look in the accounting. Gary, you mentioned earlier, well, you talked a little bit about how a SPAC is different from an IPO or a reverse merger, and, and clearly they're different. But I'm assuming that there'll still be quite a lot of regulatory interest in these arrangements. Can you tell us about the regulatory requirements? Yeah, sure. And, and I think you also actually mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes it might be quicker. I'm not sure, having having chatted to a couple of folks on this, I, I'm, I'm actually, myself, I'm not actually sure if it is a, a more efficient or easy way to list. It probably is. But I think the important thing to to note here is that there, there still are and can be a, a significant and onerous amount of filing requirements with the, with the regulator that you need to comply with. And I'd say, you know, I'd almost say, you know, the accounting is half of the of the complexities to look at, but just make sure that you don't fall foul of any of the regulatory requirements as well relating to SPACs or reverse mergers. You mean it's not all about the accounting? <laughs> I'd love to say it is, but I don't <laughs> think in this case it would be fair to do so, no, yeah. Okay. So, Gary, just... Just to wrap up then, could you give us some last minute words of advice to anyone who has a SPAC coming across their desk? What would you say that you should do other than maybe run for the hills? <laughs> well, I would, I would yeah, hopefully not run for the hills because I guess capital capital market activity is generally always good for, for the economy. So I think it's good that we're seeing this, this uh, activity in action. But I do think from an accounting and a, and a reporting perspective, it kicks up multiple complexities, some of which I think we're still kind of 
ironing out the details and how they should be accounted for. So I guess my, my parting advice would be if, if you do get one of these, you should definitely consult with, with some specialists or some folks who have seen a couple of these before. Okay, great. So thank you for coming on to IFRS Talks and telling us all about the complexities of SPAC accounting, Gary. And thanks to all our listeners. Stay safe until the next time and happy accounting. The preceding programme was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.